0: It's your boy Samuel here. I'm doing this one by myself today. Um, the draft lottery happened about a couple hours ago as I'm recording, and the Lakers are stomping out the Portland Trailblazers, so they've responded well to, I guess, I don't know if they saw any of the criticism they were receiving online, but, yeah. Um, Do you want to talk about the draft lottery Um, on today's episode, just a little bit. I am a bit disappointed as a Knicks fan that we dropped, again, two spots down. A lot of Knicks fans are hoping to at least remain in that top five range, especially myself, hoping that we can get a point guard. The point guard that we wanted was all either LaMelo or Killian, and teams that are above us are more likely to pick a point guard, especially teams like a Charlotte possibly – as well as a Detroit team that um, just traded um, or just released Reggie Jackson and Derrick Rose is most likely going to end up being either traded or who knows what. But I don't expect them to keep Derrick Rose. So I do have some things I do want to talk about with this draft real quick. Um, So the Knicks, they did get eight. Um, Actually, let me just go in order of the actual teams that got – where they are selecting because that is important to point out here NBA lottery. Let's just see how. So we had Minnesota going number one. Um, I think this is the first time they're picking number one since they got um Cat. So it'll be very interesting to see what they'll do with that pick. I know they have they have a nice young um nice young set of guys down there with um D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns. Um, restricted free agent Malik Beasley. Hopefully um, they can keep him at a reasonable price. Who knows with the cap raising or decreasing possibly with the whole COVID thing and no fans and no fan revenue and whatnot. But um, um, also they have um, Jarrett Culver. They're hoping that he can develop – into the type of player they want him to be, but I see them going with someone like an Anthony Edwards with the first pick in this draft, just based on fit. Um, have him out there with D'Angelo Russell and um and Malik Beasley, depending on if they keep him. But with the the downside of them p- picking a Anthony Edwards is their team will be lacking severely on defense because. D'Angelo Russell and Cat are not known as plus defenders in the NBA, so that's a lot of holes on your defense that you'll have to fill up at the other wing spot and um, the other big spot as well. So there's that. We got Golden State Warriors. It'll be interesting to see what they do with their pick, if they either trade it for pieces Um, maybe it could come into play this summer with a trade for maybe Embiid. I've seen that floated around a couple of times on Twitter. Um, them using this pick, even before it was revealed of where it was going to be at. Um, a lot of people figured that they might trade it for someone like Joel Embiid, who is, um, he doesn't seem very happy in, in the situation in Philadelphia. Um, Philadelphia seems to be in a place where they're stuck right now with picking Tobias Harris and Al Horford as guys to remain mainstays with this core of him and Ben Simmons. I don't see why they gave Tobias Harris an hour for 250 plus million dollars I think it is over the next couple years. Uh I'm glad it wasn't the Knicks that did something like that for once in their lifetime, but um I will get to the Knicks soon. Charlotte is picking third. Very interesting there. Um, they do have some guards in their backcourt, but a lot of people still have them. Possibly taking Lamelo. Um, I've 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 heard um that he Michael Jordan might take um a fellow North Carolina kid and Cole Anthony. It would be hilarious to see him go that high. I don't think that he's high that high at least. Um, based on what they need for their team as well as what um what other guards are available at that position but again I feel like this is a need-based draft I don't really feel like the best players are necessarily going to go at the top I think it's more of what that team needs at that specific spot is what that team will pick but it'll be interesting to see what they pick they are also one of the teams that jumped ahead of the Knicks unfortunately um the Bulls also jumped up as well. Um, as soon as I saw that Charlotte and Chicago were ahead, I was like, "Yeah, the Knicks are done," and they were. Um, Chicago. Um, I don't know if they take Lamelo. This is a, this is a, a common this is a common thread with how I'm analyzing these teams if they need Lamelo or not, <laughs> but. Um, I don't see Chicago taking him. I think they would stay pretty satisfied with Kobe White. I don't know how the playmaking is going to look with the backcourt of Kobe White and Zach Levine. We'll see how that turns out. I mean, I don't think they got enough reps together because of the way Jim Boylan decided to coach his team last year. And hence the reason why he is not coaching them this coming season. Shout out to all you Chicago Bulls fans. You guys are free of Jim Boylan. But, um, yeah, Cleveland, Cleveland's interesting. They got a lot of, um, they have Kevin Love, Andre Drummond. They got, uh, who else they got? Darius Garland, um, Dante Exum, Colin Sexton. So I'm assuming they would go for a wing type player. My guess is probably an Isaac Okoro maybe, or I've seen some people say maybe Obi Toppin. I don't know. I'm not this well versed in this in this um, draft class due to I usually tune in to the draft. I usually tune into these draft prospects like when the the conference tournaments show up in like uh, March and and when March Madness starts kicking off. That's when I really start to like zoom zone in on certain prospects that I'm like really looking forward to. So I didn't get a chance to do that this year, unfortunately, with COVID and the March Madness tournament being canceled. So, yeah, that sucks. Um, so I've been trying to do some on-the-fly research of these prospects while I've um in my spare time looking at videos on YouTube, draft analysis videos, listening to as many draft podcasts as I can, trying to get a good grasp on this this draft class and where where I see certain players fitting on certain teams. Um, Atlanta, Atlanta is very interesting because they could also. I've seen the idea of um, Killian Hayes being floated around to them uh, as well as Tyrese Halliburton. Someone that could possibly take the ball handling duties away from Trey. Maybe he can enter a more off ball um, role coming off like screens and stuff like that, similar to how Steph is with Golden State, but not exactly in the same way because Trey is still good as a ball handler and as a playmaker, as we've seen this season. He just needs like a a bit more talent, I guess, around him. But I feel like um, it's very interesting to see where a team, a team like Atlanta, I didn't think that they would get this low at six. I thought they would be a little bit higher up. So interesting to see where they pick, what they, who they pick, where they're at. Um, Detroit, I assume they'll pick a point guard. Uh, if Lamelo is not available, then probably Killian Hayes uh and uh here we are at number eight my knicks somehow managed to drop almost every time they've been in the lottery i think since the 85 alleged frozen envelope um draft lottery i mean if the knicks if the nba wanted to rig a draft lottery this would be the one because The ping-pong balls are not visible to us. It is a virtual draft lottery, so it would be the perfect opportunity for the Knicks to have this thing rigged for them. Unfortunately, the NBA is not looking out for us, and maybe they'll probably look out for us once James Dolan is gone. Who knows? Um, Adam Silver, if you're listening, um, beware in New York. Knicks fans are pretty angry right now, so... Yeah. Um I do have some hope for the Knicks to at least pick um make a smart pick in this in this draft because I believe Scott Perry won't be making the decisions this time as well as I think that the new front office that they've been building has been building something that is like cohesive and they're all on the same page as well as I feel like they are just um I feel like everything's coming together at the right time for them. And I have hope that they'll make the smart choice. And this like this draft is not really like a superstar rich draft. A lot of people compared this draft class to like 2013, the Anthony Bennett one where like you don't know like who specifically is going to be the star, but you see guys like Victor Oladipo, um CJ McCollum, Giannis in that draft. So, you know, you could still find talent, but you have to have the right, I guess, front office for that to happen. And I like what, what the Knicks have been building with their front office, and I trust that they'll make that type of smart decision. I would hope that the Knicks pick a point guard. Um, Frank hasn't turned out as the lead guard that we want him to be. I still see um potential for Frank as a good defensive um guard who can, like, spot up and hit some threes for us. But I don't see him as being that lead guy, taking people off the dribble, penetrating, kicking out, being the guy that's going to do it all for us, taking those ball handling duties away from R.J. Barrett, setting up guys like Mitchell Robinson and whatever shooters that we could possibly get in free agency. But I am optimistic. I am really, really optimistic. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic, I would say, obviously. Being a Knicks fan, you have to be cautiously optimistic these days, even when things seem to be... Heading towards the right track, you can never be too positive because there's that factor of them being the Knicks and nixing it up. But moving on, number nine, um, Washington. They're picking the same spot as they did last year. Um, I haven't really, I guess, scouted what Washington really needs, so I can't really say on wh- who I think they pick. Phoenix is very interesting as well. Number 10 spot, you can find some talent. Like this. This is a really this 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 draft is not deep in superstars, but you'll find a lot of quality role players that will fill roles for your team. And Phoenix is a team that just went eight and on the bubble. They'll be looking to fill out maybe a point guard role. Maybe they pick up someone like Cole Anthony. I don't know if they're interested in him. Some people are high on him. Some people are not. Depends on what you are looking for and what you what you think he can bring to your team. Um, San Antonio Spurs are 11th, 12th is the Kings 13 is the Pelicans and the 14th pick, um, goes to the Celtics via Memphis. So there's that. Some prospects I am interested in. Um, let me look through my notes real quick is I am interested in the Knicks. I want to talk about the Knicks because I'm a Knicks fan, obviously. So I will talk about the Knicks for just a brief minute or two before I get into what I've observed from the first couple playoff games in each series. Um, Tyrell Terry interests me, probably one of the best shooters in this draft, but has a really small um, frame. I think he's like 6'2", but he's like really, really skinny. Um, Gives me shades of like Shamit, but with like ball handling ability. Um, Jaden McDaniels, 6'10" moves like a guard, has a nine, has a decent um stroke on his jump shot. Um but was very inconsistent, very due to the, his um shot selection. Interested to see if the Knicks could possibly scoop him up at 27 cuz I think that's the range that he's expected to go in. And yeah, that's it. That's all I'm going to talk about for the draft cuz I am not that well versed in this and when I do my m- more research into this, I will definitely talk about it on the pod a little bit more um let's get on to playoffs though let's talk about some game one some game twos um actually let's talk let's talk about um today's action that happened today so let's talk about some of the series that we've noticed from the actually i want to talk about um philly versus boston that actually happened yesterday so um and beat it. it looks like he's, he's doing all he can, but he doesn't, just, he doesn't have enough help. Um, Tobias Harris is, uh, is not what they paid for. They paid him, I think it was $180 million over four years. I think Tobias Harris is just a role player, and they just like really overpaid him because of the production that he provided for them at the time and they couldn't afford to lose him to another team. But I don't know what other team they were going to lose him to, really. They were only outbidding themselves, I think. Um, Tobias Harris, he, he looked horrible the past couple games. He was playing actually really well in the bubble seeding games, which is weird, but now it's that it's playoffs. I don't know if Philly just has this curse on them where they can't really manage to get things right in the playoffs. Maybe that's a Brett Brown thing. I don't know. But Elton Brand is, um, he is not, he's not blameless in this. Can not be given a 33-year-old Al Horford, what was it, $100 million to come off the bench and basically produce, like, nothing. He's giving you, like, what, four, five points per game? What is it, like, three or four rebounds per game in this series so far? And they've been embarrassed in the first two games. And Embiid is doing all he can with no Ben Simmons out there shake Milton thing has not worked out as many people thought it would because a lot of people were really, I think riding the high of um his last performance when he was playing against the Clippers and when he was really heating up towards the end of the season before it suspended. Um, I think that Philly is going to look to retool next year. There's going to be a lot of moving pieces, but I don't know. Maybe Embiid ends up in Golden State like everyone else on Twitter thinks. Um, Jason Terry. The game is just looking easier for him day by day, game by game. I mean, he's looking more and more like the version that we saw in January to March where he looked like he had figured out the game, like he finally figured out like, like how easy this can be for him. He had eight threes, I think 33 points. Like he was just killing it out there, and like if he can continue to p- produce like this along with, um, um, Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker, I don't see why they could not make a run to the Eastern Conference Finals. Cause, but then again, they are playing the Sixers, so is like how e- like how can you gauge that success? I guess that's is really odd with teams that are playing these. Good teams that are playing these teams that are struggling, that are not playing to the best of their ability or missing players. Like, for example, Toronto looks solid, but, like, they're playing the Nets. So how much can you really gauge? Because the Nets also play hard, so it's, like, really confusing as to how you want to, like, gauge the team's success and how far they can go. But Toronto overall has looked solid in the bubble. So that's, like, I know it's a weird comparison, but, yeah. Yeah. Um, I had Boston in six. Maybe I was being too generous with Philly giving them two games because like the thing with Philly too is that they really benefited from playing at well Fargo center. Um, I think on the season, they only lost like two or three games there, but when they went on the road, they were like 10 and 24. So it's like not being at that arena with those fans giving them their energy, especially a guy like Joel Embiid who like really, really, really feeds off crowd energy you're really seeing how much it's affecting a player like him and you're seeing that across like a lot of series with certain guys that um the way that they're playing um I I don't know if it was LeBron specifically that mentioned it or like a reporter that had said it about how like the crowd energy is affecting how LeBron is performing I guess in these playoffs or not but I don't know. I think it is affecting certain guys to a certain extent, especially someone like Embiid, who we saw during like the regular season was really someone that fed off the crowd. Like when the crowd was really going crazy, like Joel Embiid would have his best games and he would continue to feed off that, continue to perform, continue to perform. Um, so having having the crowd out out of. Um, out of out of. What am I trying to say? Not having the crowd is really having an impact on Joel Embiid. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, let's go on to the Utah Denver series. This is a very interesting series. I don't remember what my prediction was on I think the last episode. Um I think I had Denver in six. Um I still believe that but there's a possibility he could go to seven, especially with Mike Conley coming back because Donovan Mitchell like he re- he re- he's really looking a lot more patient out there with the way he's um playing like they were pressuring him in like the first quarter, the first half it was. And he just didn't seem like someone who was trying to rush it and trying to like trying to push the ball ahead, like trying to do all the trying to take ill-advised shots and whatnot. He wasn't he was being really patient. And like by the time the third quarter came, he had figured it out. And like he was really um, able to to slice the def- um the, the 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 Nuggets defense down. Um, He had 21 points in the third quarter, um, 30 points overall in the game. So he had a really solid game. Um, Jordan Jordan Clarkson was huge off the bench. I think he had 26 points. And I think Donovan Mitchell said that that, that that was his key early on as he noticed the defense was keying in on him, that he wanted to get Jordan Clarkson going because he knew that if he got Jordan Clarkson going, then that would benefit him in the long run because it would probably take some pressure off of him to score as much points as he did in game one. Which shout out to him. He had a monster game one, fifty-seven points, third most points um in a playoff game in NBA history. Um, onto the Nuggets side. This is the thing that I don't like about Jamal Murray's um performances is that he'll have a monster game one like he did, where he had like 36 points, it was, and he was coming up big down the stretch, and all the big shots, making all the right plays, doing all that stuff, going back and forth with Mitchell. Then comes out game two, 14 points. Um, the defense really threw him off, I think it was. Um, he just never got his rhythm going, and it's it's a shame to see, because I really want to see Jordan Clarkson take that next level as a basketball player. But we'll see how he responds in game three. Hopefully that he responds with a similar performance to game one, if necessary, because I don't want him out going out there and forcing it, but if he can come out and perform similar to game one and had that similar impact, then that'll be good. As well as them having a good MPJ game, which they had um, in game two, 28 points. But he still looks lost on defense. Like, um, I know Utah has been making a focus of their offense to get switches onto their ball handlers, having Michael Porter Jr. guard their ball handlers because he doesn't know what to do in the pick and roll. And he doesn't know what to do overall, I guess, on defense because he, I guess he hasn't had that much reps on defense. Because when you think about it, coming out of college, he had um, – coming out of college, he didn't play that much games. So he only played like three games. I remember the last game that he actually tried to come into, which was like an NCAA tournament game. Like he just, he just looked out of rhythm, out of whack. And that was due to him not having reps with the team because he was out due to the back surgery. He missed his whole first year because of the back surgery and then he had like a lot of games where he played very limited minutes if he didn't play at all this year and then getting into the bubble he's finally getting consistent minutes. So you got to think someone like that doesn't have enough reps um defensively, but he also probably has to get a little bit um I guess I guess it is the reps as well as probably just getting a little bit bigger. To handle guys because he is going to be guarding a lot of those fours, being 6'10 and whatnot. So I guess that's something for him to work on in the near future. Um, Dallas versus Clippers. So this is a very interesting series because um a lot of people after game one were very upset because of the Porzingis um ejection, which I enjoyed as a Knicks fan. Ooh got a nasty dislocation Uh, but going back to Dallas versus Clippers very interesting we got um our 2020 debut of playoff p didn't perform that well um what was it 4 of 17 um a lot of that was him I guess due to him getting into early foul trouble so he didn't get a chance to get into rhythm I think another part of it is Doc Rivers and his questionable rotations as well as game plan. He doesn't utilize Kawhi and Paul George like um number one and number two options. Um, because I think there's no defined roles on that team. Um, so you guys you had guys like Reggie Jackson dribbling the air out of the ball some on some possessions. You had Marcus Morris, ISOs, like he was back in New York this season. Like it's just a mess. And like Montrez Harrell. Was another person that looked lost out there, and that's due to him again. I think the whole thing with this Clippers team is they have not had enough reps as a healthy team together, and that is showing. And in these playoffs, it's gonna it's gonna show because there's no advantages like home court or travel time or none of that. Like it's just you straight hooping hoop every other day in the same gym with no fans. It's just you and the other team, and y'all just balling. And you just gotta you just gotta um. I think another thing that has to do with it is coaching, too. Is this, is, this is what, It's going to expose a lot of bad coaching, I guess, in the bubble with teams that don't make adjustments game to game. So, yeah, Doc Rivers has to change up his game plan for Game 3 if he wants to take advantage in this series. Right now, the series is tied. So a lot of people are saying that this series should be actually 2-0 in Dallas' favor because they feel like if Porzingis played, then that would have had a big impact. But I feel also in game one, what happened is Paul George had a good game, as well as Marcus Morris, along with Kawhi Leonard. So that's what contributed to the Clippers winning. Cause he was, Porzingis wasn't really performing up to standard, I guess you can say, in the first game. He was shooting about like 33%, 14 points. He had his points, but he wasn't shooting that well. Um, But yeah, with the Mavs, um, key scorers off the bench were Seth and Trey Burke. Shout out to them. They were putting the moves on guys like Shamit and um, Lou Williams. Those guys, Shamit, Shamit has looked a mess since he got into the bubble. I'm sorry. I I was really holding out hope for him. I think the acquisition of Marcus Morris has messed with his um, chemistry that he had going with the team. And... Now that Marcus Morris is getting those touches, Shaman is not getting as much touches as he probably used to get, and that's having an impact on his game, but he hasn't looked good at all in the bubble. Um, want to talk about Lakers um, trailblazers for a moment because that's the game that I'm currently looking at, and Lakers are stomping out Portland, as I mentioned earlier. Um, What a way to come back um, from game one Lakers did today. Anthony Davis not settling today, going hard in the paint, as many fans wanted him to. I think Danny Green is still struggling. I'm not sure. I haven't taken a look at the box score as of yet. I know KCP has been playing pretty well, so there's that. Um, Let me take a look at the box score real quick, just so I can give some context as I record during the game. But he is playing. I know KCP is playing way better than he did. Um, game. Game one, it was yeah, yeah. Sixteen points, five of eight from the field, four six from three. So he's playing pretty well. Danny Green is still struggling, one for six from the field, one for four from three. So they're still going to need Danny Green to produce, I think, if they really want to go far in these playoffs. But good game from eighty today, 31, 11, and three assists, thirteen of twenty-one. Only took four three pointers, so. He's not going to trigger Happy from out there, but he's getting his paints down low in the paint. Dame actually suffered a dislocated finger, so he will not be participating in the rest of the game and finishes the night with 18 points. Um, So I guess the series will be tied 1-1 by the time this episode actually goes up tomorrow. Um, OKC versus Houston. I think I overestimated OKC and chris paul here's why i think i read a stat off in the last episode i think i misinterpreted the stat where i talked about like cp3's um scoring against bigs and forwards and guards there's no bigs for cp3 to abuse in this series so one thing i noticed down the stretch I mean, I want to, first. I want to mention CP three finished with a minus thirty six. That is ridiculous. That's ridiculously bad for a player like CP three to finish with a plus minus that low. But Lugan's Dort, shout out my Haitian bro, Lugan's Dort from Montreal. But he is he had Harden in solitary confinement today, like before lugan dort sat i think harden was like 2 for 12 from the field 1 for 9 from three point cuz lugan dort is a good is a big 65 physical guard lateral quickness and he he could just bother james harden um so he, harden was struggling but the thing is, okay, see, I know Billy Donovan has this thing where he likes to run the lineup of Shea, Dennis, CP, Gallo, and Adams. CP3 ain't it this series, man. That It ain't it. Like, you got to take him out, bro. You can't keep him in when he's not providing anything of substance for your team. And you had someone like Dort who was just nullifying Harden's effect out there on the court. I mean, When Harden was out of the game, that's when Houston actually made their run to actually separate themselves from OKC. And I was like, this feels oddly familiar to that Clippers game where Josh Smith and Corey Brewer went crazy. But that's another story for another time, as well as Houston missing 15 straight threes in the game, which reminds me of another game that I won't talk about because it might trigger if any of Houston fans are listening out there. But um. My closing lineup I put out on Twitter today was, um, you got to take CP out. He's not providing anything at the end of the game. And you need someone out there to bother James Harden because James Harden was the reason why OKC couldn't close the gap between themselves towards the end of the game. So my closing lineup was, you have Shea out there. I understand that. You have Dennis. I understand that. You need to pe- you need to put Dort out there. Put Dort and put him on Harden. Do not have Dennis guard Harden. Dennis is food. Dennis cannot guard Harden. Like Dennis didn't like it seemed like Dennis wasn't even there with the shots Harden was taking like Dennis was not bothering him at all. And I feel like Dort you put Dort on him. You nullify him at the end of the game. You still have Shea for offense. He had a pretty good game. I think it was like 31 points. Playoff career high. I know he struggled in game one. Came back strong today. Solid for him. But, um, and then you have Gallo and Adams out there as well. And you got to sit CP3. I know that's like a super hard decision because like CP is a um, respected vet and he's provided a lot of clutch baskets for you guys this whole regular season. But it's playoff time and with playoff time comes adjustments and you need to make adjustments if you want to win. And I feel like that would be an that would be an interesting adjustment to see to see how it works out. I'm not saying that I feel like that would work, but I feel like that's something that they should try because ain't nothing wrong with trying something in the middle of the playoffs cuz you never know if it might work out. It might work out and you end up looking like a genius because of it. Uh, Miami versus Indiana, he had Duncan Robinson, hot once again. Um, Goran Dragic was solid. Shout out Duncan Robinson, 7 for 8 from 3. Undrafted from Michigan. I was a huge fan of him coming out of Michigan. I never thought he would carve out this niche that he has on this Miami Heat team, but I'm happy for him. I was a fan of him in Michigan. I'm still a fan now. Um, Goran Dragic has been solid for them. I noticed that the Heat took out, um, they took out, Kendrick Nunn of a playoff rotation. And that was interesting to see because Kendrick Nunn was having a really good rookie season before the bubble, came into the bubble, struggled, and Spolstra adjusted as good coaches tend to do postseason time. Um, They adjusted. They took out Nunn. They shortened their rotation a little bit. They don't play Myers Leonard either. They play Illinik because he's been playing better. So, I mean, you see the results of that. They're up 2-0 now on, my, on Indiana. Um Jimmy Butler is hitting threes once again when they matter um when they matter most. A lot of people criticized Jimmy cuz he was struggling from three point during the season and he, he didn't take a lot of them either, but he's taking them now and he's making them and he's making them when they count. So I guess you can say that's all that matters and Jimmy told us so cuz I know a lot of people are laughing at Jimmy when from the way he when he chose Miami as his free agent destination. And I criticized it myself as well because I was like, Philly, you know, it seemed like a nice foundation. Um, but I didn't know how they were going to keep all those guys. And as you can see, J.J. Reddick left, Jimmy left. They got Josh Richardson. They got Tobias. They got Al Horford. It's not working out. But um, that's what I noticed from the first couple games um, I I didn't speak about Giannis and the the Bucks game versus the Magic because I expected Giannis to come out with a vengeance and I expected the Bucks team to respond because that's what good teams do they respond when they're challenged. We'll see how teams. We saw how L A came out today. They're most likely getting the win. Good teams when they get challenged they 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 rise to the call and they come back and they um they actually adjust and you see what happens um one thing i do want to know is something that came up on twitter is a lot of people talking about um a lot of people talking about that all these good teams they look beatable now and i saw the common response and i was thinking my my i was thinking to myself this too i this was something this was a thought that i had from way before like, everyone else started calling it out. Because, like, once this duo thing happened, I was like, teams are not going to look as unbeatable as the Warriors were during this, like, last five-year run. Because that's just, like, the talent is just spread out so far across the league. It's just, like, there's not one team that's, like, super, super dominant that's going to, like, roll through everyone. So when everyone brings out their predictions of, like, oh, Lakers are going to, like, feast on, like, Portland or whatnot and Portland came out game one and, like, knocked them in the mouth or whatever... And none of this is coming as a surprise to me because, like, these teams are not as loaded, not as stacked, not as talented as Golden State was during this five-year run. And I think Golden State just had us all conditioned to think, like, this is how number one teams are supposed to look. Like, they're supposed to be, like, 60-plus win teams crushing everybody underneath their foot for 16 games in the playoffs. And no one's supposed to come even close to beating them or else they're, they're a fluke. And that's just not the way things are supposed to go. So it's interesting to see how these number one seeds will fare off in the rest of the playoffs. Cause I mean, there's no home court now. There's none. There's no travel times. There's none of the advantages that came before all this COVID stuff. And we all got to get used to that. Cause you guys can all say, oh, this is different. This is weird, asterisk, whatever. But, It just is what it is at the moment and we all just got to get used to it because there's a possibility that even next year that we get a bubble as well in like different regions. So this could be sort of a new norm for the short term or even like the short long term. So that's all I got for today's episode. Thank you if you listen this long to me just rambling about the playoffs and my Knicks suffering once again um, make sure you check out the links in the description got links to the podcast website my blog, my personal blog that I wrote about um, whatever I'm feeling about the NBA at the moment make sure you check out our Twitter page Instagram hit us up in the DMs and that's it